Welcome to A Culture of Innovation. We interview exceptional leaders who embrace and demonstrate innovation, hear their stories, and listen as we explore turning ideas into tangible ways to create value and cultivate innovation as a way of life. Listen and be inspired as an innovative leader. Together, we shape culture and change the world. Culture of Innovation is brought to you by Ridge Innovative, where we practice innovation with a purpose to help companies use technology and breakthrough strategies to achieve business outcomes. I'm your host, Nancy Ridge, and today I'm very excited and pleased to welcome our special guest, Patrick Shutt. Patrick is the CEO of Unitas Global. He has over 20 years of leadership experience in the technology industry. Previously, Patrick co-founded and served as CEO for Universal Access, growing the company from a startup to a $144 million run rate, and eventually taking the company public in 2000. He then founded 2020 Technologies, after which multiple acquisitions became global capacity. Patrick joined Unitas Global as CEO in 2014. He holds a BA and an MBA from Wagner College and currently lives in Chicago. Well, welcome, Patrick. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you today. Nancy, first of all, uh, great to hear your voice. And uh, thank you for inviting me on your show. And congratulations on launching your new business. That's, uh, that's a great new endeavor. And uh, I'm very, very pleased to be able to join you today and looking forward to our conversations. Absolutely. And um, you've had a hand in that. You know, I look to you as uh, a mentor and an innovative leader that is a great example. So uh, even better to have an opportunity to talk a little bit today about your journey, because not only did it start off uh, really fantastic and breakthrough, but even now you're doing some amazing things. So before we dive into that, one you're, of you're making me blush, Nancy. So <laughs> <laughs> thank thank you for all those kind words. But uh, you know the, the the journey has been filled with great people, just like yourself. And uh, as I am a big fan of uh, all things team, uh, teams make uh, make great outcomes. It's not individuals. But thank you for your nice uh, nice oh. commentary. It's so true. It is so true. And and together, we do get to innovate. And I know you've seen a lot of innovation in your career. So one of the questions I like to ask all my guests is, what is one example of innovation that you have seen that's delivered great business outcomes? So I have been in the communications industry and technology uh, since really the early 90s. Um, and a lot has transpired from the, uh, the, the, the way that divestitures happened, uh, the way that there's been innovations in the phone business. Uh, but the thing that I think is probably one of the most interesting innovations that we've seen is watching the data center become the interconnection center for digital transformation. When I first got into the industry, the central office was where everything connected to and everything in, in the uh, telecom space is really hub and spoke. As more and more data centers were being built out and fiber optics was the medium to build them out with, it became clear that the data center was really gonna become the central nervous system where all of the innovation uh, of digital transformation would, would transpire. 
20 years on, you see the examples of companies like Equinix that really have sort of pioneered that space mm-hmm. uh, and companies like Digital Realty Trust. But there's literally um, hundreds of different data center operators that are moving quickly and rapidly towards digital transformation. Um, and you've got companies uh, like the old guard data center operators that are remaking themselves as well as a whole bunch of new data centers uh, that that are coming into the space. So I think watching the data center change the way that this market uh, innovates and how it's impacted digital transformation is probably the one big one that I could point to. Yeah, that is a great example. And certainly, as with many other areas of technology, this recent uh, pandemic has accelerated the move to the data center. More and more companies are now seeing that that's where they want their applications to live. Very true. Very true. Now, Patrick, one of the things I love about your story is you started out selling long distance at Sprint, Cable and Wireless, which it's so funny. I know so many people that started Cable and Wireless. Great. It was a great yeah. company. Both both were great, but <laughs> Cable and Wireless uh, was near and dear to my heart. Uh, a gentleman by the name of Bill Coyne, my first real mentor. Yes. Truly amazing, amazing individual. Uh, I know, Bill. He is amazing. He's been a mentor to a lot of people. Well, this beginning of yours is one that I think many of our listeners can relate to. Uh, And yet at the age of 27, the early age of 27, you decided to start Universal Access with a mission to act as a broker among communications networks that needed to buy capacity from each other, which at that time was a a very highly innovative idea. And as I mentioned in our opening, it went on to grow to $144 million in run rate with eventually a market cap of $5 billion when you took it public in 2000, at which time you were the ripe old age of 31. <laughs> so right. what was the spark inside you that motivated such a bold and ultimately successful move? So, well, well thank you for that and bringing me back to, to, to memory lane. But um <laughs> The, the idea, I, at the time, I was working for a competitive access provider uh, by the name of TCG or Teleport Communications Group. Um, there were a number of caps at the time, the, but the two biggest were um, MFS, Metropolitan Fiber Systems, uh, and TCG. And I grew up in the sales side and, and sales management, and we had recently uh, won a client uh, by the name of PC Quote. And PC Quote was similar to a Bloomberg in the sense that they sold uh, information on the stock market and they sold it over dedicated, uh, at that time, T1s. Um, oh my gosh. But as a, yeah, but as a, <laughs> as, as a um, provider of local uh, capacity competitive access, um, we were selected uh, to provide um, PC Quote with rollout across you know, major markets in the United States. And um, whereas TCG was on net in the building, PC quote required required two feeds. And in a number of those buildings, Metropolitan Fiber Systems was in the was in the building. And I was sitting with the engineers and uh, saying, how are we going to deliver this PC quote? We've got uh, uh, TCG on net. Obviously, the incumbents are on net, whether it was a 9X or an Ameritech. Mm-hmm. Um, but I said, MFS is in the building. And one of the engineers looked at me and he said, that's our competition. And I looked at him and I said, what are you talking about? I said, the incumbent, <laughs> you know, AT&T, Ma Bell, right. whatever you want to describe it, 
they own 99% of the market, we should be working together to create these twin connections. And it shouldn't be on the incumbent network. It should be on these two uh, new fiber networks. Well, long story short, um, the engineers won their way and, and we ended up not using MFS. But that stuck in my, in my head. Uh, and the first opportunity I had to uh, to build a business um, was universal access. And what we founded it on was the principle of um, fiber optics are new. The faster the bandwidth speeds are, the more you need to rely on on fiber. But fiber is a fragmented marketplace. So cable companies own it, phone companies own it, competitive access providers own it, municipalities own it. But there was no interconnection points in that in those days. Mm -hmm. So the universal access business strategy was that we built uh, 22 small data centers that you would call interconnects today. Uh, Equinix is probably the best example. But we built 22 of these things that were 10,000 square foot. We put equipment that would interconnect various disparate fiber providers. And we used at that time a DAX, a digital access cross connect <laughs> to be able to interconnect these providers. But the real innovation that we had is we built a software uh, that allowed us to say fiber optic company A has locations over here. Fiber optic company B has locations here. We're going to connect them through our interconnection facility. We're going to use automation and information and knowledge to create these interconnects. That's what made uh, universal access so special to the marketplace. And believe it or not, 20 years on, no one has really ever replicated that strategy until Unitas has come along and said, yes, now now the market with the cloud adoption is ready for it. So I'm really glad that the, that the strategy that we came up with in, in 97 is really a strategy that is extremely applicable uh, in the cloud migration uh, world that we live in today. Absolutely. And built on those fundamentals that you mentioned earlier, like teamwork, for example, and and also, you know, data, being able to share data. That's a perfect segue. Um, you've been CEO of Unitas Global for six years now. Time flies, doesn't it? It does, and, especially when you're having fun. <laughs> <laughs> and it certainly was an innovative company when you got there, having a vision for serving private cloud customers. And this breakthrough platform Atlas that Unitas has, you know, was one of the very first that gave customers a single pane of glass view into what is now continuing to become even more complex environment. Yet you saw this as an opportunity to use that foundation as a catalyst for what I think is a truly next gen network. So can you tell us more about that? Certainly, and, and there's a lot of people in this story, but uh, Grant Kirkwood and Farrah Kashef, the two founders of, of Unitas, um, have been serial entrepreneurs, and they truly had a vision for how the enterprise would consume compute and, and storage infrastructure, uh, later to be called uh, private cloud. Uh, but Unitas was founded on the ability to pick your infrastructure and we can manage it with the uh, proprietary Atlas platform uh, that you are speaking of. <clears throat> but as you know, in the world of, of, of cloud, there really is what we would all describe as a view to a hybrid multi-cloud world, which is a combination of uh, enterprise on-prem, uh, private cloud in a private data center like an Equinix, 
um, multi-cloud being public multi-cloud. So um, environments within Google, uh, AWS and Azure um, are all sort of um, options for the enterprise. And the enterprise is getting more and more sophisticated about what cloud, what infrastructure makes the most amount of sense for them. Well, in 2017, um, the management team, which included Grant and Farah, as well as Bob Paul and a number of other team members, um, we looked at the space and said, you know what, connectivity is going to be the key reason, because if you have customers sitting on-prem, customers sitting in an Equinix private data center, customers sitting in, in public cloud, Azure or AWS or Google, that means that they're going to want to transact between those clouds. Connectivity is going to be critical and plain old internet isn't going to be able to give the performance. So connectivity is going to be very, very important. Well, at that stage, um, we asked uh, a, a very, very, very accomplished executive, uh, Marianne uh, Williams, to help join the team, well, join the team and help us build out this connectivity strategy. And we've brought in a number of team members from our original uh, platform, Julie Dillenbach and Kathleen Lockheed, just to name a few. Lots of women. As, I love that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, as well as Andy Berquist, who who's kind of our original um, uh, algorithm guy. And, and some of the folks from, from Magenta had been part of our team, Nigel Meacham and Joss. But we, we pulled together this, this team of people and said, look, private cloud, um, is going to evolve. We need to evolve with it. We're going to have a strategic advantage if we start building a next generation network that incorporates the, the advantages of software defined with the robustness of controlled managed access with an IP layer. And, and we've been able to do that uh, really since uh, 2017. And, and now um, the network that we've built is touching roughly 900 data centers globally. We've got a database of over 30 million buildings. We can price end-to-end -end access solutions in over 82 countries to those millions of buildings. And it's absolutely um, you know, differentiating itself to data centers and enterprises and MSPs alike. Um, and it's just it was just by happenstance that the market was evolving to this hybrid world. And what we describe it as today is a connected hybrid cloud. You know, Unitas mm. is as close to its infrastructure business as it is to its connectivity business. And the enterprise really is looking for that single hand to, 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 to shake, as well as that single throat to choke, because they're looking for people that can provide them highly flexible, scalable, innovative solutions uh, that will help them in this di digital transformation economy that we're all living in. It's huge. And, you know, the, the fact that you can deliver that quoting tool as well over those 82 countries and, you know, those 550 fiber suppliers, 30 million buildings. I mean, those are huge stats. But from someone who's out in the field who has been uh, on the distribution side of networks for so long, the idea of the speed at which you deliver that is also a huge distinction. I mean, you know, particularly when you would go to an international application. It used to take days and sometimes weeks to get that information, but uh, you're delivering it in more like minutes and hours, correct? That's, that's right. That's, <laughs> the, that's really the advantage of, of software defined. And really the gating fact to distribution is still access. First mile, last mile is still the 
um, kind of the, the 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 long pole in the tent. But once you actually have that first mile, last mile up, um, you're able to do some really amazing things in terms of the orchestration and, and the provisioning and the delivery. And I think one of the um, major innovations that we bring to our clients is a fully integrated access layer two and layer three experience and being able to do that globally as a non-facilities-based provider or facilities mm -hmm. light, it means that we have to be over the top. And when you're over the top, it means you're using all of the underlying infrastructure of all the different uh, fiber providers that are sitting out there. So whether we're using a uh, a Colt or a Zeo or level three slash now Lumen, um, mm -hmm. we incorporate the best reach of all of those networks and we put it into this large global software to find uh, layer two and layer three experience. Well, it's definitely something as, you know, a network person I can get excited about. And, you know, the timing as well. I mean, on top of that, we also have the the whole emerging uh, use of applications. I mean, applications and taking them out to the edge. And even now, you know, the edge has gotten edgier with the whole work from home movement. So we're seeing competition being increasingly driven by uh, improving that performance and lowering the cost to the far, far edge. So we're going, I think, now beyond some of those big platforms you've mentioned, like AWS and Azure and Google, and right down into the layer seven. Uh, you know, layer, which, uh, again, I think suppliers have to target these specific needs of customers. And I mean, uh, talk to me about that a little bit, how connectivity is enabling that huge explosion. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that we got very fortunate with, with uh, Grant's background, uh, is that he was one of the, um, and he's still very young, but he was one of the early guys uh, in internet and but involved in a group uh, that developed this thing called donut pairing. And it sounds funny, but it, it's pretty simple. You know, the um, the overall marketplace for internet and people complain about internet speeds all of the time. And it's because the amount of connections, the amount of interconnections and the fact that there is uh, literally a monopoly of tier one suppliers where they have uh, free uh, peering with each other but if you want to leverage them, you have to pay for that transit. Mm -hmm. um, what donut peering um, allows uh, companies to do is to directly peer. So if Unitas with its ASN wants to directly peer with a Microsoft, as an example, or an Amazon or a Netflix, we can do that and we bypass the transit providers in the middle Hence, the sort of the analog of creating a donut. The transit providers are in the middle and the peering, the direct one-to-one -one peering is on the outside. Well, today, Unitas is directly peering with over 4,000 different suppliers of content and we swap content back and forth. So a client leveraging the Unitas network, the layer three IP experience, is getting faster performance. One great example is when... Um, CenturyLink Lumen Level 3 had a major global outage because of, a, of, a, of, a, of an issue no more than two months ago. Right, just um, recently. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. Our network, the Unitas network that, that sort of Grant has architected, showed up as you know, basically unaffected because of the, of the way that we don't use 
the tier ones in the middle, we directly peer. For about 70-something percent of our traffic, we directly peer, hence the reason why we wouldn't have had issues uh, with that overall transit um, situation, which was which was great to see. And as more and more applications and more and more companies are leveraging SaaS, IP is the method for which you do it. So by having a network that deals with your on-prem into the data center, moves you around on this you know, global layer two, which I call the big super highway. And then when you get off, right, the application, you need, you need the translator. And that's where this IP network becomes so uh, incredibly important. Um, and that's what Unitas has built for its customers to consume. Super appealing. And, you know, I look at some of those applications like voice, for example, and video, which we're all living and dying by that over our internet connections nowadays. That's right. And I just see uh, a tremendous opportunity to bring that innovation to, you know, companies that are struggling trying to meet that demand. So, you know, listen up, uh, big VoIP players and UCAS companies, because this is a great way to a great way to solve those problems. So I want to change gears for a second and talk about leadership a little bit, because clearly, you know, to bring this innovation to the table requires leadership. And one of the uh, studies that I was recently looking at tells us that cognitive flexibility has become one of the most important characteristics of successful leaders. And the primary reason is this increasing need for adaptability. It, it's really been called out as being one of the top uh, characteristics that we all need to exhibit. And adaptability to me also often means the ability to let go, <laughs> um, to change our mind, which can be really uh, challenging. So as a highly successful leader, is there a process that you go through to maybe abandon unsuccessful ideas? We've been talking about the ones at work, but I'm sure there have been many along the way that that you had to sort through to get there. So it's a great question, and um, in looking at your word for your, your two words for uh, cognitive flexibility, um, words like um, the adaptability become important. So I would say number one, the last ten years have been amazingly stressful for all people, uh, and the reason being is that technology is is growing at such a rapid pace. Um, and innovation is happening so rapidly that you have no choice but to adapt, change, make decisions, move forward. Advice uh, that I follow is have really strong team members. You listen extremely carefully to people. You think through outcomes um, and you look at those various outcomes through alternatives you make decisions and you go with those decisions. In the event that those decisions are not making the traction that you want, then you have to rapidly stop and go to another path. One of the things I tell young entrepreneurs all the time, just because your idea was great then, doesn't mean that it's great now. There are lots of elements of this business in Unitas that are founded off of the original business plan of EPC, but there's still lots of parts of this business plan that are founded off of what was done at Zima. There are things in this business plan that were founded off of what we did in Magenta and what we did in Universal Access and what we did in Global Capacity. But 
times change, times evolved, and a modern day view of those, just because you learned things during those period of times doesn't mean that you repeat them. You learn from mm. them, you adapt, you mm. create a better product, and you execute. The critical mm. component for this is just because you have a great idea doesn't mean that you can implement a great idea. Execution mm. is as important as innovation. And to make those two things work, you have to have great teams that are highly motivated. Yeah, that's great, Patrick. Thank you so much for sharing that. I'm taking notes while you're talking. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> you know, the Unitas Connectivity Solution, as we discussed, is innovative. Um, a big part of this success factor has to do with all the relationships, as, as you've referenced, that have been built, uh, and, and also with these last mile providers across the globe. Do you see this uh, representing a new kind of network ecosystem? Uh, absolutely, uh, we do. And there's a number of us that think about that ecosystem. I think every data center has an edge strategy. Um, every cloud company is thinking about edge and network providers are the edge, right? When they talk about mm -hmm. edge, it's really getting the compute into the data center and getting it to um, effectively uh, transact. How do you do that? So yes, we feel like we are in the middle of this new ecosystem, working with our phone company, telco partners, working with our cable company partners, working with our municipality partners, working with our data center partners, because no one company can create a ubiquitous ecosystem. The mm -hmm. edge is about all coming together and creating that digital transformation. And there are, it's a multi, multi, multi hundred billion, you know, marketplace, you know, hundreds of billions of marketplace. How do you get this ecosystem to intersect? It's a it's a it's a marketplace that evolved in a very fragmented way. It's a market uh, ecosystem that is very opaque in terms of transaction and price. And we are a big believer oh, yes. that if we can create innovation around transparency and we can create innovation around interconnect and we can bring the first mile, last mile into it, I think that a number of, of, of entities uh, globally, we'll see extreme success around that end-to-end -end accountability message. So the ecosystem is super important. You know, everybody is important in that ecosystem that's playing in it. Um, and I think digital transformation, and as we started out the discussion around the innovation around data center, it really is the central nervous system that is, um, that's at the center of all of this and fiber optic is its veins or its blood, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And those fiber optic cables, if we can figure out how to best utilize them and information and knowledge and systems are gonna be what tells us how to do that, uh, we're gonna see a really, really exciting time. Well, it harkens back to, as you mentioned, the beginning of our discussion too, when you had that first conversation with those engineers about utilizing the MFS network. <laughs> That's right. That's right. You know, so there's a mindset that builds into it as well. And, uh, you know, I love that because then, you know, as, as you paint this picture for us uh, of this physical ecosystem, 
then you bring in, you know, all of those other talented components that we need so much, right, to do the execution piece. That's right. So um, that's, that's great. So, Patrick, um, how have you seen innovation change the culture in your organization or may, maybe even in your home? Yeah, uh, not so much in my home. I still like my writing and and reading, and uh, I'm not not really big into the kind of innovation there. But um, no on Alexa. The, <laughs> on, on the uh, I still like reading you know books from uh, paper and writing them. <laughs> but um, I, I think I think the you know, Unitas has always been an innovative uh, business and innovative with culture. I think the thing that I have seen. This year has been challenging on everyone globally. Uh, it, this is a this is a global um, pandemic that's impacting every human, uh, you know, in the world. And you know, being in an organization, you're impacted as part of that. You know, the ability to leverage technology, the ability to work remotely, uh, the ability to communicate with voice, video systems, and 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 have data transmit the way that it is. That innovation is helping in this environment, but it's certainly it's certainly a challenge. And and the culture that that is Unitas is a culture of can do, get it done, um, and 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 do it in a way that that is customer centric. Uh, and certainly everybody was was tested uh, in 2020, and and I think for you know a bit longer into 2021, um, we're still going to see the the um, the reliance on technology to be able to support you know, work from, from home and, and, and supporting clients, you know, globally, but uh, in a, in a remote basis. Yeah. That, that continuing uh, automation uh, I see as being a big change maker in many company cultures right now, just so, you know, we can get the work done that we need to do. 100% right. And there's a lot to do. Okay. So now I'm going to invite you, let's have a little fun. Um, what innovation would you like to see most gain adoption and it could be anything so have you i'm a big harry potter fan because my uh, both my daughter and son but particularly my daughter was a huge fan of it so um there was a uh, there was one of the um movies or books where she spins a coin and she can basically split her time that's the kind of innovation i'm looking for where you can actually be <laughs> in more than one place at the same time being able to participate. <laughs> that would be wonderful. If not, let's go to Star Trek and I would like a transporter so that I could be in a meeting in one place, immediately transport somewhere else and then immediately transport somewhere else. Those would be two great innovations, Star Trek and uh, and uh, Harry Potter. Well, you know, I'm with you. You know, I, I always confess to, you know, people that I meet that I'm a geek at heart. So, you know, I'm right there. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Well, Patrick, this has been awesome. I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with me today. And I, I hope our listeners have as much fun uh, listening to this as I had uh, doing the interview today. So thank you so much. And um, we'll just have to keep this conversation going. I don't know. I, maybe I can uh, find a way to transport myself to Chicago sometimes. <laughs> it, it, it's rainy and cold, very different than Southern California. But Nancy, Congratulations <laughs> on starting your new uh, your new business, and thank you so much for inviting me on to your show to listen in, and very much appreciate it. Have a uh, great rest of your day and uh, weekend ahead. Awesome, you too. And 
Thanks to all who uh, listened today. Don't forget to subscribe to Culture of Innovation at www.soundcloud.com, Culture of Innovation, to get updates on new episodes. And also be sure to check us out at www.ridgeinnovative.com. See you next time.